Jesus. Thank you. If you're visiting, they're calling for me to preach the word, which is what we like to do around here, is see what God's word has to say to us, and then ask God's spirit to teach us and help us to apply what we find there. It's good to be back from vacation. Uh, it's, it, spent eight days, you know, in a van with with Amy and Raina and Josh, and they're still my three favorite people, so that's a really successful vacation. And uh, we had a great time, but it's always great to go, but it's always great to come home. J.E. did a wonderful job preaching last week in, in my absence, and I'm proud of him and, and Megan and their family and thankful. And if you did, I got to listen to that online. If you didn't get to hear him speak, you can go to our website and hear that message there uh, to hear what J.E. talked about last week. I wonder if uh, you ever play this imagination game. I'm a little off kilter sometimes, so this is a little bit of a strange imagination game that I play, but I, I, I've, I've thought of this uh, many times before. What if someone broke into my house, like at night when I was asleep? I, w- I wonder what I would do. And some of you may experience that. I've never experienced that before. But I wonder, you know, would I hide, you know, or would I like wake Amy up and say, you know, hey, go see who that is, or, you know, <laughs> would I would I call nine one one? Would I would I get the gun out and shoot at those people? I mean, I, I just try to imagine what would I do, and um, and and I've, I've even taken that further. I've thought, you know, what if we were kidnapped by those people, and then what if, you know, they they had us all there, and they said, you know, they had guns, and they said one of you is going to die, and the other three could live, you know, and I always hope that I. I imagined that I would be the one who would jump up and say, you know, me, me, you know, take, take my life, you know, and, and save them. And, and it's not because I want to be a hero or want to be brave or anything like that. It's because I love those three people so much. And so I kind of go through that imagination sometimes and I think, that's what's in my heart. Could I match my actions with it? Could I do that? Because Jesus says that, you know, out of the heart is going to flow. I mean, it's going to come out who we are. And so I kind of... I kind of ask that question, and, and that's really what it is. It's, do I love my family as much as I think I do? There was a radio station in Chicago that played a similar game, but not with a family. They did it with something different to find out how much people love, not family, but money. There was a contest. They asked people to imagine this. What's the most outrageous thing that you would do for $10,000? I wonder, you might even think about that right now. What would you do for $10,000? I'd rather not hear some of your answers. If you raise your hand, I'd be like, no, 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 we don't hear from you. But what would you do for $10,000? And so they got over 6,000 responses at this radio station. And the winner was a guy named Jay from Indiana. Who's, this is what he said, that for $10,000, I will eat a tree. So they set a date. They publicized the event. Jay showed up in a tuxedo. They had a nice dining, you know, table with uh, china and a glass of wine. And they had, you know, like a flower on the table. And just armed with pruning spears, this college student began to work on and processing. uh, He went through the process of eating an 11-foot birch sapling. He chomped on this tree from starting at the top and went all the way down and ate all the way from the top to the roots of this tree. And his only condiment they could have was French dressing. And when the whole thing was over, it took 18 hours for Jay to eat this tree and get $10,000. 
and he complained of an upset stomach. I guess you could say that, that, the, that its bark was worse than its bite, maybe. Oh, boo, boo, horrible, horrible. What do you love? What do you love? Where's your heart? And how do we know? How do we know? I think one of the ways we can tell what we love and where our heart is, is where do we spend our time and our energy thinking about? What do we work hard on to get and to maintain no matter what obstacles come our way? What is it that we're going to get to and have? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else. Wow! Did you know that was in the Bible? I mean, that's a big verse. Above all else. What does it say? Anybody know? Somebody said it over there. Guard your heart. Because it's the wellspring of life. There's life in here. And you could squash that life or you could make it go away. So you better guard something. You better guard your heart. And we're in a series that's called Man Versus. And so that's why we have this this, uh, kind of boxing thing up here. And we're using boxing to kind of imagine a little bit that we're in the ring with, with some of these deadly opponents. Some sins that can and in some cases they are. They're killing some of us. And they're things we don't always think about. They're, they're, they could be subtle. We've already talked about three of them up here. We talked about the couch. Laziness. And, and then, we, then we went on and we talked about resentment or, or, or being envious. And last week we talked about self or pride. Man versus these things. And they can be very, very subtle. And today we move on to one that can be subtle as well. Money. Now, some of you are here today and you're like, oh, great. I come on the day they're going to talk about money. Oh, my goodness. You know, why didn't we skip today? I cannot believe this. Well, I want to be crystal clear with you. Some of you may think that churches and preachers, all they care about is money. And I'm, and I'm just going to tell you this today. This is not a sermon really about money. It's not what it's about. Because if we did a sermon about money, we would have to say, you know, look, there's some stuff over here and we're going to put some like rules around it right there and we're going to say, stay away from that or do certain things and don't do certain things. We're going to make laws about it. And that's what the Pharisees did, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about stuff over there that we're going to talk about. We're talking about inside here. This is not a sermon about money. This is a sermon about yours and my heart. That's what this is a sermon about. It's not about money, it's about the love of money. And we have to look inside our heart to see that. And we've got to bravely ask God, would you show me, is there any greed inside of me, God? Is there some in there? That's going to take a little courage to be honest about that. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to read from Luke 12. If you want to turn there to Luke 12, you can. And while you're turning, I'm just going to ask God to bless our study. Lord, thank you. Thank you even for the pages turning right now. I'm grateful, God, that people have brought their Bibles and that we're going to look at your word. And God, we, some of us have been to church so many times. We've read the Bible a bunch of times. We've read these parts of the Bible so many times. And they just fall off our backs like water off a duck. We ask, God, that you would help us to repent today. 
Help us to stop being those kinds of hearers. God, help us to sit up today, to crack open our heart just a little bit, and to consider the possibility that that this may be something that I may be struggling with. And then Holy Spirit, you're the one who, who does the work. You're the one who does the convicting. You're the one who does the drawing to Jesus, our Savior. You're the one, Spirit. So we're begging and asking in the powerful name of Jesus that you would be here with us today, that in spite of all my weaknesses, in spite of whatever may be going on in this room to distract us, in spite of what's going on in our life, that you, Holy Spirit, would just grab a hold of our hearts today and that you would help us be a bit more like Jesus when we leave. We pray this in the name of the one who has saved us. And everyone said, Amen. Luke chapter 12 and verse 13. We're going to we're gonna look at a bunch of passages, but there's two places I kind of want you to hold on to, and this is one of them today, Luke chapter 12. Just kind of keep your finger here as we move around to other places. So starting in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man who appointed me judge or arbiter between you. And then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Usually when people say, Watch out, man, that gets my attention. If you're out on the golf course or you're driving in your car, Watch out! You know, and I think sometimes we need to do that in church because people are just kind of falling asleep. You know, and they're just sort of, you know, watch out, hey! And I think that's what Jesus did. He's like, watch out, look out. Watch out for what, Jesus? Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says, be on your guard. And here's the dangerous part about this today. Right now, right the second, here's the dangerous thing today, is that we will not listen to what Jesus said. We will not watch out. We will not be on our guard. And here's the reason. Because we think he's talking to someone else. He's not talking to me. I mean, that's like Bernie Madoff. Yeah, he's a greedy sucker, you know. That guy, I mean, that's like those people that are really wealthy. I mean, they got yachts and they got places all over the world. I mean, they fly everywhere on their jet. That's those greedy people. Not me. This is not about me. So, let's just imagine for a second. Just think with me for a second. If we could snap our fingers, this would be a horrible thing if this happened, I think. But if we could snap our fingers... And everything that you have, except what you brought with you, was gone. You don't have a house anymore. You don't, you don't have a place to go back. You don't have a closet. You don't have your storage unit. You don't have your garage. You don't have Just what you have with you today, that's all you got. That's all you got left. Well, with me, I got on a pair of shoes. I probably, I don't know, 30 bucks maybe, 40 bucks perhaps. got on this pair of pants. And uh, I think I paid like $35 for them. I bought this shirt at Goodwill, and it cost me like $6 or something like that. And I got on a watch I got at Walmart. It's like 25 bucks. I got this little thing, this reminder on my wrist. It cost me a dollar. I've got a wedding ring. My wife bought this for me, and I don't know how much it cost. She didn't tell me, but I'm thinking thousands probably, you know. So, uh, but anyways, a few hundred dollars. It's a very nice ring. I'm not making fun of it at all. I love this ring. And, um, and, and I got a cell phone in my pocket, you know, and I pay 50 bucks, you know, a month for my cell phone or whatever. I got maybe 20 or 30 bucks in my pocket. I got a credit card. Maybe you got a debit card with you. I don't know what you got. Uh, so, so I got a, a couple hundred, a few hundred dollars of stuff with me right here today where I stand. And, oh, and then I got my car. And we got cars out there. You, you, most of you probably came in a car. 
And so we get a car out there, and those on our parking lot go anywhere from $1,000 up to $50,000. I mean, there's a whole range of them out there. But let's just say that, imagine for a second, if you would imagine for yourself, just you, nobody else, just you, everything's gone except what you brought with you today. I want to tell you the truth. What you brought with you today, the amount of money that's represented with what you brought with you today is more than 90% of the world sees in a month, maybe six months of their life. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you you're greedy. I'm trying to tell you something else. The reason we don't hear that Jesus is talking possibly to us to be on our guard, watch out, is because we think we're not rich. But I'm here to tell you today, you are rich. You're rich. And you maybe not, you don't believe that. Some of you don't believe it. I've, I've done this before. In some other places here, Gateway, and other times. And some of you actually come to me and said, well, I know you said all that, but you're wrong. I'm not rich. I mean, I'm poor. And you just don't believe it. Go with Wyatt sometime. Wyatt's not here to go today. Is he? Where is Wyatt? Go with Wyatt to Juarez. Go see where the people live. I mean, you can look at it on the internet, but it's not the same. Go stand there. Go get inside the little cardboard hut with them. Go look around. Go look and see where millions of people live. You don't have to go to Juarez. You can go to, you can go to El Paso. You can go to Las Cruces. If you open your eyes wherever you live, right here in Rodosa, you can go right down behind McDonald's and there's some people that don't have a home. They just crash in the woods down there. They were sleeping in the rain last night. And you might be, you know, maybe, maybe you feel a little judgmental, like, well, those aren't, those aren't, those aren't poor people, those are lazy people, you know. Well, I, I don't know, it's not, this, what, not what this is about. It's not about whether those people are lazy or, or whether they need to work hard. That's not really what this sermon is about. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But I, I'm trying to get us to see this. We always want to say, well, I'm not rich. Why? Because I look up at other people that have more than me. And I'm trying to get us to look at the whole picture. You slept indoors last night, I assume. You woke up this morning and had running water, hot water. You chose from clothes that you wanted to wear, which one you wanted to wear. A bunch of you are on vacation. You're on vacation. You drank coffee this morning. You ate breakfast. You, you drove in a car. Most of you are wishing I would shut up because you're getting hungry and you're ready to go eat again. And you can afford to do that. You're not worried about whether you're going to eat. It's what are we going to eat. One of the best ways to guard against being greedy is to admit, I am rich. I wonder if you have the courage to do it. Some of you still don't believe it. It's okay. I'm not going to hold a gun to anybody's head. But I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to practice something. On the count of three, I'm going to say the words, I am rich. And I invite any of you who believe it to say it out loud, I am rich. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. I am rich. Most of you believe it. I want you to understand something. There's nothing wrong with being rich. The Bible never... Somehow, some people have equated, oh, rich people, bad, evil, something like that. There's nothing wrong with being rich. We have a good... God. James chapter 1, verse 17. That's why that's up here. This God has given us all these gifts. He's the giver of all good things. Our God has blessed you and given you gifts to enjoy. 
here on this earth. It's dangerous when we fool ourselves into thinking, I'm not rich. So, that's one thing that stops us from being on our guard. Another thing that stops us from being on our guard is this. We say, well, yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know about maybe that rich thing and, you know, Juarez, blah, 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 whatever. I'm still not sure if I'm, if I'm really rich or not. I don't know. Listen to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches. They're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. I have to tell you, there's some of you, and and I'm talking to people I don't even know because a lot of you are here on vacation. But I just know it because you're human beings and you live in the United States of America. Some of you are wearing yourself out to get rich. Some of you are saying, I'm not, I'm not wearing my... Well, wait, I am wearing myself out. You're right. I mean, I'm working a lot. But it's not to get rich. It's just because I've got to pay the bills, John. I mean, I barely make it from week to week. You know, we're holding on by the skin of our teeth. But some of you are working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. You're working six days, six and a half days, seven days a week. And you are doing this, yes, to pay your bills. That's exactly right. But you're paying for huge debt. You've stretched yourself out to a bigger house perhaps than you need, a newer or nicer car than you have to have, the best of everything for your kids and grandkids. It's the place I see we show no restraint, as Proverbs said. Show some restraint. Well, okay, I will. But when it comes to my kids and grandkids, no. They will not have medium or the low. They're going to have the best. No restraint. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm really not trying to make you feel guilty about having anything that you have. I'm just trying to shock us awake a little bit today. Because it's possible you might be in the ring, in the boxing ring, with greed and not even know that you're there. And you can't hear Jesus saying, be on your guard. I like the story about the guy who he he decided he wanted to marry this girl and he had an engagement ring and they went out to eat and he knelt down on on one knee in in the restaurant and and he said, Sweetheart, he said, I love you with all my heart and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I know I don't have, I don't have the, as good of a car as John Green and I know I don't have as, as nice of a house as John Green. I know I don't have as much money as John Green and I know I don't have the yachts and all the extra homes that John Green has for vacation. I know I don't have all those things that John Green has, but I want to give you my heart and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I love you. And she looked at him and she said, well, sweetie, I love you too. But could you tell me a little more about this John Green guy? (laughs) And we at least chuckle at that because we know there's something inside of us that says it's true about us. I'm glad for what I've got. I got some pretty good stuff or whatever blessings in my life. But could you tell me a little more about that? Because that looks pretty good over there. Now, this is the other passage I want you, if you've got your Bible, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6, because we're going to go back and forth here, 1 Timothy 6 and, and Luke 12. So 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires they, that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, be on your guard. If you are a person who wants to get rich, if you're a person who, not who has money, but who loves money, I'm talking about our heart. 
If you look in your heart today and the Spirit reveals to you, you really do love money a little. You really do want to get rich, kind of. The warning, be on your guard because temptation, trap, harmful, destruction, pierced with griefs, all of it is attached to our heart like that. So be on your guard. If you're in the ring, if you're in the boxing ring with greed, there's going to be at least two deadly things that can happen. And I want you to evaluate for yourself today. Are these things happening at all to me? The first one has to do with our identity. If we drop down in 1 Timothy a little further to verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 17, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world. That's us. Command gateway, Paul says to Timothy. Those people over there at gateway, command them. Don't suggest, don't just give them, here's a good idea. Command those people at Gateway not to be arrogant. Not to be arrogant. See, sometimes we start to identify the money that we have with who we are. Like like when I start getting more money, that's who I am. Like I'm bigger or better or smarter or something. But I want to tell you something. Today, if you really did lose and every single thing you have in this world, as far as money goes, you'd still be the same exact person you are today. That wouldn't change who you are. See, this is, this is just stuff that you have. It's not who you are. I think a lot of times when we think about the word greed, we say this. Greed is how much money do you have? But that's not the right question. See, that's an easy thing. We can put that over there. Ooh, those people over there have a lot of money. They must be greedy. But it's the wrong question. It's not the question, how much money do you have? It's how much does money have you? That's the question. You don't have to have very much money. And money could have you. A lot of times I think we give in to our culture and give in to brilliant advertisers on TV. They are amazing. They, they must be some of the most brilliant people in the world. Because we begin to think, I am that car that I'm driving. And maybe we look at somebody else's car, like, I could never drive that car because, man, I mean, that's just, no way. I, that, that, that's just not me. Well, I hate to tell you this, but the car you're driving right now, it ain't you either. It's just something you have. You're you. Sometimes I think another thing that happens is this. I think that, that um, especially with the younger generation, you know, it's like they see this phone that I have. I got this little flip phone. And it was, I've had, I had this phone, a phone like this for like five years. And it started falling apart. And uh, so I went down to the store and I told them I wanted to get a new phone. And I got... And I got the same exact phone, the same exact one. And I went home and I told my kids, I was like, hey, I got a new phone. And they were so excited. They were like, yes, finally, Dad, finally, let us see it. And I pulled it out and showed it to them. And they didn't even say anything. They just turned around and walked to their room. (laughs) See, some people are like, especially younger people, like I would never, I would never carry a phone like that because that's not who I am. I hate to say this, whatever phone you got, that ain't who you are either. That's just something you have. And for all of us, think for a second about the home you live in. Think about the home you live in for just a second. I have to ask you this question. Would you be okay 
to move out of whatever home you live in, no matter where it is and what neighborhood, if you had to move out and move to a much, much, much smaller and less expensive home or apartment in another part of town, would you be okay with that? And I'm not saying you'd be comfortable. You'd be very uncomfortable. It'd be a big change. But would you be okay in your heart? See, maybe right now you're like, oh, let's have people come to my house. Oh, I want to entertain. Oh, I want to be hospitable. Come on over. And, and maybe that you have the gift of hospitality. Maybe that you may be saying, look at... Look at all this and look at who I am. No, you're not. I hate to tell you, that's not who you are. That's just some stuff you've got. That's all that is. And so Paul says, command them, don't be arrogant. Don't get this confused like you are your stuff. It's like this, and I've used this illustration before, and I'm about to use a couple of illustrations that I've used before, and I'm borrowing some of this from Andy Stanley. I'll just tell you up front. This is Andy Stanley. He's great. If you never listened to him, you should go listen to him on, online. He's amazing. So I'm going to borrow some of his illustrations and stuff, and I'm going to say some things I said on a Wednesday night, but most of you weren't there, and none of you remember what I said. So we'll start right here today. So here it is. You're driving down the road. Here you are. You're driving down the road, and you look over, and here comes a guy... And he's about 17, this is what he looks like, about 17 years old. He's in a 2014 Porsche 911 Carrera. If you don't know what that is, it's awesome, okay? And uh, so, so you see him in that car, and I guarantee you, nobody is, is like driving and look over and you see that guy and you're like, my, what an industrious young man. He must work very hard. <laughs> nobody thinks that. Especially if he's driving along and he's looking at you like, Ooh, I'm all that, and you're nothing, you know, what's wrong, you oh, dumb car, you're like, stop that, you know, that's not even your car, your daddy bought that for you, right, that's your daddy's car, that ain't your car, I wonder if God looks down sometimes, and he sees how we treat our house, and our cars, and our stuff, and he's like, oh, please stop that, oh my goodness, would you guys just stop that, that's not even your stuff, that's your daddy's stuff, I gave that stuff to you, and you're acting like you're all something. You're all big. Like, this is me. This stuff. No, it's not. It's just some stuff that you were given by a good, amazing God who blesses us and has made us rich. So don't let your identity be mixed up with your money. That's the first deadly thing. If that's happening in your life, there may be some greed going on. Here's the second thing that happens with greed. First, identity. Secondly, idolatry. If we continue on in chapter 6 and verse 17, command them that are rich, don't be arrogant, but here he goes, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Don't put your hope in wealth. Okay, so some of you, you guys probably already know what this is. What is this? You don't know. Well, you're about to find out. You weren't here on Wednesday night. Here we go. All right. Two years ago. A stack of money, Okay. Now, here's the deal. You, you guys, this is your stack or my stack or whatever. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what size it is. What Paul is saying is don't put your confidence, don't put your trust, don't put your hope, don't put your weight on this because that's what we do. We get over here and we stack this thing up and then we lean on it. And you know what happens every time? Is it moves every single time. Proverbs says... The rich imagine their wealth as a wall. And so 
They imagine it, but it's not really. So we get this idea, i got to get a bigger wall. That's what I need. So I'll send some guys out to make some money for me. Thank you guys. You guys are doing good. My wealth is growing as we stand here. And so they stack this stuff up, and we get a nice big stack here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And we get this nice big huge stack of, uh, of money. And now, once it gets bigger, then I can lean on it. It won't move. Oh, man. It, it never... It's so uncertain. It's so unsure. It will never... Well, here's, here's the deal. How much of this do you need to be happy? There's all kinds of studies about that. I read some of those getting ready for this. I'm not going to tell you about any of them. But I'm going to tell you the answer. How much of this do you need to be happy? A little bit more than you have right now. That's what you need. That's what you think. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 5 in verse 10 says, those who love money will never have enough. Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money will never have enough. And he goes on to say how meaningless to think that wealth could bring true happiness. See, here's the deal, folks. If we love money, we'll do almost anything to add to this stack because we're leaning on it and, and we're thinking, I got to make this bigger. So I can be more secure. And eventually I will be secure if I can get this to be large enough. And we just will do anything. I think sometimes we think greed is not only about those people who have a lot of money. Sometimes we think this. Greed is about how much something costs. Whoa, that yacht costs that much. That must be a greedy person. But that's not the right question. How much did that cost? The right question is about how much something cost of you what were you willing to give to get whatever stack you've got were you willing to give away your integrity were you willing to give away your marriage your family your joy your soul story i have no idea whether it's true or not i can imagine that it possibly could be a story about a woman who was at a dinner and she was sitting at a table with a millionaire the millionaire passed her a note during dinner and said, would you sleep with me tonight for $10,000? She blushed. She looked back and gave him some kind of sign to let him know, yes, I will. They left that night and got in the limo, and as they were heading to his residence, he said, can I ask you another question? Would you sleep with me for $100? Boy, she became furious. What? kind of woman do you think i am and he said we've already established what kind of woman you are now we're just looking for the price how do i know how do i know if i'm leaning on money trusting in money or if i'm leaning on god well which of these statements causes you more anxiety if someone made the statement and said they could prove it, that there's no God. Or someone reported to you, there's no money left in your bank account. Which one of those causes you to go, <gasps> See, because if you're leaning on this, if you're leaning on this and somebody says there's no God, you're like, well, so, so what? You know, who cares? I mean, too bad for those preacher guys, but this is fine. I'm all right over here. I got my stuff right here. But then if somebody says all your money's gone, there's going to be a crash. There's going to be a panic. But if you're leaning on God and somebody says all the money's gone, well, and some of you, this has happened in your life, hasn't it? It was all gone. Well, 
God, you and I have a problem. But I'm going to be okay because I got you. And I know you promised you're going to help me and take care of me. See me through this. Matthew 19, Jesus said to his disciples, I'll tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to the kingdom of God. Why is that? Why is it hard for a rich person to go to heaven? It's because we got so much to lean on. And it's hard. So, three quick counter punches. Here they are. These are some things to fight greed. If you're in the ring and you feel like, man, I'm kind of in the ring, here are three quick things right here. The first, they come from 1 Timothy chapter 6, the same passage. After he says, don't lean on wealth, which is so uncertain. Here's the first one. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. The first counterpunch is this. Enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy it. It's a gift. He gave it to you. Soak it up. Be thankful for it. Think of Him when you enjoy it. If you do that, that's a counterpunch to greed. If you are enjoying whatever stuff you have and you're just thinking about the next stuff you can get and stack up the... Well, that's not good. So, number one, enjoy what you have. Number two, the next part in verse 18, He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Number two, be generous. That's the second counterpunch against greed. Be generous. Like the story in math class, little Johnny was in math class, and the teacher said, okay, Johnny, if you got $5, and then you ask your dad for $3, then how much will you have? And he said, $5. She said, you don't know math very well. And he said, you don't know my dad very well. <laughs> See, it's kind of easy to be stingy, isn't it, with our stuff? I mean, there, we laugh because all, we all kind of have been like that, and maybe our dad was like that or whatever. We know, yeah, it's easy to be stingy. But God commands us to be generous, and I'm encouraging you today to be creative and work hard at being generous. That's different than just, oh, well, let's see, I've got to be generous. Let's see, do I have some left? I've paid for everything. I got, okay, here's a little leftovers. Here you go. I'll be a little bit generous. Be creative and work hard to be generous. Just as creative and hardworking as you are to get the stuff you want. See, when we want something, oh, I'm going to buy that thing over there, whatever that thing is. Boy, we get creative. We sell stuff on eBay. We rearrange our budget. We go get a second job. We pull some stuff out of savings because we're going to get what we want right here. But then someone says, here's an opportunity to give. And we're kind of like, oh, I'm pretty strapped. I don't know. Let me see. Oh, I do. Here's a 20. Here you go. Let's do better than that. Let's find out about the needs of the people around us, about the ministries and the missionaries that are out there. Let's do some research and find out where we can give our money. Think about how much time you spend looking at the latest clothes magazines or reading consumer reports about another car, stopping by the furniture store to see what's the new furniture, or staying up on all the latest electronic gadgets. If you can do all that, why not spend some time thinking of creative ways and researching how can I be generous with some of my money? I love this story of a family that I know of that have a jar at their house. And in that jar, each month, on the first of the month, they put a certain amount of money, and it says, eat out money. So that's the money that they're going to go out. They're going to enjoy God's gifts. God's given them some money. They're going to go out to eat. But at the end of the month, on the 31st of the month, whatever money's left in there, they have researched some ministries that feed hungry people. And they're going to take whatever's left in there, and they send it to that ministry. 
They send it to that ministry. And so now all of a sudden they're getting creative. Hey, it's Friday night. Let's go out to eat. Yeah. Oh, I heard about this new restaurant. And they're like, well, you know what? I got a coupon. Let's go over to this place so we can save some money in this jar. See, they're getting creative. They want to give. They want to be creative with their generosity, not just with their ability to buy. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that we heard read earlier to us today. You will be made rich. God will make you rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through that generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. Be generous. So, enjoy it. Be generous. Last counterpunch. Be rich toward God. Be rich toward God. How do we do it? The end of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 says, In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves, a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of life that is truly life. Be rich in good deeds. That's where life that is true life is. Psalm 145 verse 8 says, Our God is rich in love. You can be rich in love. Don't be poor in love. Don't be poor in good deeds. Don't even be middle class. Be rich in good deeds. Be overflowing. You look around for ways to make money. Look around for ways to do rich, good deeds. Be rich in it. These are deadly Deadly things. And so Jesus warns people finally at the end with this story. Back in Luke 12, this is where we're finished. And I'll finish by telling you this story. He said, watch out. I'm warning you. Be on your guard. And here's the story. Luke chapter 12. He told him a parable, a story. The ground of a certain man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what am I going to do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my grain and my goods, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life's going to be demanded of you. Then who's going to get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This has not been a sermon to make you feel guilty about being rich. You are rich and you should be thankful that you are rich. It's a sermon to examine your heart. What do I love? And it's a reminder that there's a guy named Jesus who didn't play the imagination game that I talked about at the first. He actually raised his hand. As a matter of fact, he raised both hands. And he said, those people out there who are in that ring... And some of them are getting killed and beat up. I want to take their place. I want to lay down my life for my friends. And I want to lay down my life for my enemies. I want to lay down my life for generous people, Jesus said. And I want to lay down my life for stingy people. Jesus said, I love them so much, I want to lay down my life for all of them that are struggling with what they love today. That's how much I love them. Romans 8 tells us everyone who's in Christ, how much condemnation is there? Zero. None. Nada. No condemnation. You want your heart to grow in love toward God and diminish in love toward money? Well, we're going to have shepherds here. We'll pray with you. I think you can walk on that path. Stronger today than you have in the past. Maybe some of you have never even made a decision. You've never initially drew the line in the sand to say, I want Jesus to save me. I want to follow this man who died for me, who loves me. You can start that journey today. Ask him to save you. Come and find me. We'll baptize you into Christ Jesus today. 
If you have a need from any of these things we talked about or any, anything else that we haven't talked about, you come while we stand and while we sing.